0: By now, I'm talking about Chattano. Jimenez in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. with Alan Robinson taking it out of the air. Do you
1: remember when Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks Lord have won the Stanley Cup. Maybe we could start hey everybody, again. Welcome into another episode of the Second City Show. I'm Patrick Flowers, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, David Wildman. Dave, what's going on, man?
0: Hey, Pat, it's a happy new year. Um, good to get back on the ground running.
1: Absolutely. And couldn't have started off any better for... White Sox nation today as the White Sox announced that stud prospect outfielder Luis Robert has agreed to a six-year $50 million extension. Luis Robert is of course the number three prospect according to MLB pipeline in all of baseball and this essentially guarantees that he starts the 2020 season on the opening day roster with the White Sox. Um, real quick before we get into it let's hammer out the numbers here. Um, it's, it's broken up into six years and then two option years. So he's set to make $1.5 million in 2020, then $3.5 million in 21. It jumps up to $6 million in 2022. And then in 2023, to $9.5 million, $12.5 million in 2024. And then the final year of the guaranteed deal, uh, he'll make $15, $15 million in 2025. And then there's two team options in 2026 and 2027 for $20 million each year with uh, $2 million buyouts if they choose not to exercise the option to keep Luis Robert around. Give me your initial thoughts on the news from today, the money, uh, what it means for the White Sox in 2020 roster construction-wise, and whatever else you want.
0: You know, happy that we, we know who our opening day center fielder will be. Um, you know Robert was coming up this year. Um, now we get him about 20 games sooner, and obviously that's exciting. Um, you know the money is hopeful. Um, you know everyone immediately jumps saying, you know, oh, well they underpaid him. You don't know that. You know they know for a fact for the first three years of that contract he's going to make more than he possibly ever could have through. Um, the current collective bargaining agreement. And then, you know, there's the possibility that we get a nice bargain on, like, the back half of that contract. Um, you know, it's always risky, given a guy that's never seen a major league pitch that kind of money. But I think Robert's that kind of prospect. So far, that same deal is working with Eloy. It worked with Sale. It worked with Quintana. Um,
1: Tim you know, Anderson. Tim Anderson
0: with Tim Anderson, especially, um, you know, this is the Rick Hahn special. I would guess this isn't the last time we see a deal handed out like this this winter.
1: I hope not. I really hope Mankata's next. He's only got Agreed. three years of service time remaining. Uh, he's set to become a free agent after the, um, in 2023, w- along with Yasmani Grandal and Dallas Keuchel. So I, I really hope that Mankata gets extended beyond that window, sooner rather than later before spring training would be excellent but uh I I guess I won't we we don't have a lot to bellyache about right now if that deal doesn't get done before spring training then it's not the end of the world as long as it's a priority internally
0: yeah but now I mean you're looking at Keichel, Grandal, Moncada, Giolito locked up through 23, Kopech and Anderson locked up through 24, Cease 25, Jimenez 26 and now Robert twenty seven, and then you're talking about Madrigal and Vaughn, back yeah. at twenty six. Yeah. So there is a defined four year window minimum that is open now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, in the like you said, they've done a fantastic job um, of locking up the core because for the better part of this the next decade, we know who the core players on this roster are going to be, and that's that's a nice feeling. That's that's a weird feeling but it's in a, in a good way.
0: Yeah. And you know, you know, that we're not going to run into the issue that the Cubs have where they're now, you know, halfway give or take through what should have really been a decade long window for them. And now you see it flaming out because they got themselves in trouble with money. And now, you know, you've got Brian coming up and that would be like Moncada coming up and not being able to afford Mm him. Um, You know, so it's it's a lot of peace of mind with as much risk as it is. But, you know, I think personally, Robert is one of the most exciting prospects of this entire rebuild. And you've seen what Eloy and Moncada can do. And, you know, I think Robert could be even
1: better. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I was reading today. um, I wasn't reading today. I just it it was put into my Twitter feed again today. But this was done uh, in a story a while ago. I can't I want to attribute it correctly. Uh here it is. James Fagan. Uh, nope, that's the championship window release. Uh, I can't find it, but the I can't find it to properly attribute it right now. But the quote was from a story done with Luis Robert on uh, Luis Robert before where an American League uh, scout was asked about Luis Roberts' talent, and he you know, he said that it's, it's out of this world better than anybody on this planet. Mm-hmm. And, I remember the quote. And you know, We've had our hearts broken before, uh, so we want to, you know. I feel like personally, I'm so excited. And I was driving. I was driving for a little bit this afternoon. I had to run a few errands, so I had a quite a bit of windshield time. I started listening to the Socks in the Basement and from the 108 crossover, which is I haven't finished it yet, but the start of it is excellent. So I recommend anybody <laughs> listening go check that one out. The, the guys from the 108 are are always all about. The White Sox content creation community, you know, so I, I never have a problem giving those guys a shout out when they deserve it, which is pretty often. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking about while I was driving is, man, we we are we have so much going right now as White Sox fans, and it's so exciting. But how shitty would it be for for things to just fall apart, for unforeseen circumstances to happen, and and to just derail this? Part of yeah. me, part of me can't get over that.
0: You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're never going to know. We, I mean, we've had our setbacks. It hasn't gone perfectly. Um, but I think seeing what Johan Moncada did last year really put things into perspective, um, you know, in, in terms of having patience throughout this process. And, you know, things can look bad and they can get better. But, you know, I, I, I think that obviously it's a possibility. But I, you start to see it come into focus. I mean, coming into last year, it really seemed like this thing was off the rails, and last year I think really stabilized it in my mind, which is why I sit here today feeling really good about it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like I said, I feel really good. Like I, I think, like you said, 2019 uh, was was an important year in terms of stabilizing what we what what was looking like it was spinning out of control with, with bad luck and, and, and bad evaluation and bad scouting. But uh, the breakout years by Mankata and Anderson and Giolito and Jimenez uh, really solidified the major league roster and the, and the young core talent that's on it. Uh, and, and then they added to it all winter long thus far. And, they've, and now they're continuing to do things like extend uh, pieces of that core long term you know, for the, throughout the foreseeable future. So there's, there's, there's all those good things going, but man, it's like the feeling in the pit of your stomach. It's just like every time I get super excited, I'm like, Oh man, it, I cannot help but the thought creep in my head. I think that's just the, uh, the, the, the a syndrome that comes with being a white Sox fan. I mean, let's be honest. I'm th- I'll be 30 in May and you know, we, I can count on my, my fingers, the amount of times where there's been a legitimate reason to be excited about the White Sox.
0: Yeah, so. this might be the most yet, though.
1: Oh, absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt. And and I, and I, I you know I was even in in talks with, with my, my father. Even he, who's going to be um, shit, he's going to be man. I don't know in his mid fifties. Somewhere in the mid fifties, uh, in April, by the time the season rolls around, I want to say fifty five, uh, and and even he's as excited as he can remember. You know, he there was some other year, earlier years that he experienced in his life. Uh, Eighty three, uh, the Dick Allen years and stuff when he was younger were exciting, but like in terms of build up, like watching this be put together from point A and onward, this is this is different. Nobody nobody alive right now has ever felt this or seen this, you know, as a White Sox fan. Yeah, there's there's so many reasons
0: to be optimistic. And, you know, the, the sky is really the limit. But where you have these discussions and where I take solace is, I mean, what is the worst case scenario with this team? 80 wins? I mean, even that, you know, is like disappointing. But still, it's so much better than it's been in many, many years.
1: Yeah. If 80 wins is the, is the floor, sign hey, me up. Sign me is. up. <laughs> what?
0: Where, where do you think the floor is?
1: I think that's fair. I think 80 wins is fair as the floor. I was um, The other night I was discussing it, uh, and I said, right now I'm at 85 wins. And I think that's being on the lighter side. Um, and my dad said, 88 wins. I said, okay, eighty-eight wins is fair. I could see that too. I think both has you in the in the conversation for a division title if you're you're approaching that mark uh, heading towards the end of the season. Um, the third party in the conversation who I'll leave nameless said one hundred and two games, but I think that was a lot of Jack Daniels talking. <laughs> uh, I think more realistically, as a floor, eighty games is is you know if shit goes wrong. Uh, I think if being modest 85 to 88 wins is realistic. And then if you want to be a little more on the aggressive side with, you know, especially now that we know that Luis Robert is going to you know, be on the opening day roster in center field from the get go, I would say 90, 92 wins and a division title.
0: Yeah. That's like, you know, I said on the last episode, that's sort of where I've got my sights set is that 90 win area and a playoff appearance
1: yeah and I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's ridiculous either you know like it might be a little bit on the aggressive side just in terms of like everything would have to go right and very minimal things could go wrong if you want to end up in that 90 plus win region but I don't think it's insane I don't think anybody can look at the roster presently constructed and say that guy's drunk there's no way the White Sox win 90 plus games
0: it's just nice to win an off season for once.
1: <laughs> well, we've won off seasons before. I mean, but now we've got to now we've got to parlay it into actual wins on the field. <coughs> Excuse me. Um,
0: so one thing I saw tweeted that was sort of interesting was someone said that um, it was John Heyman said the Sox are lucky that they missed on Machado because uh, now they're able to do what they're doing now. That Maybe
1: was <laughs> of- <laughs> that was one of two stupid things John Heyman tweeted today, which <laughs> isn't really surprising. Offseason is like prime stupid John Heyman tweets. Um, the first, that well, I'll start with that. Um, no, the Sox are not lucky that Manny Machado didn't take their money last offseason. Let's, let's quit pretending that the Sox couldn't make the acquisitions that they made this year and the Machado acquisition, or that if they did make the Machado acquisition last year, that they wouldn't have had to make as many acquisitions this year. I think any time you swing and miss with a big free agent, a superstar free agent, it's a fail. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to look back a year later and say, well, he didn't have the greatest first season in San Diego. It's easy to say the same thing about Bryce Harper over in Philadelphia, but that's not how you evaluate players, and that's not how you pay out contracts in in Major League Baseball in most of professional sports. So to sit here and say that things worked out great a year later, that we should be lucky that Machado didn't take the money, I think that's crazy.
0: I think, see, I had two reactions. I think you're right that the Sox wouldn't have signed that deal or offered that deal if it was going to handcuff them to the point where they couldn't make some of the additions they've made this offseason. That being said, with how Moncada broke out last year, that's where you sort of start, on my end, thinking maybe that was lucky. Because I think that you could see Moncada put up Machado-type numbers through the rest of Machado's contract. And if they're sort of similar in, you know, pick your stat, war, F war, whatever, but if over the next now nine years they put up similar type numbers, then, yeah, it did work out better for the Sox just because Moncada went to the other side of the infield and
1: ended up a stud there. Well, Mankata's going to put up better numbers over the next nine years just because, you know, nine years from now, Machado will be much older 30, than Mankata. 30, you know, he'll, he'll be beyond his prime. I, I, I get what you're saying, and it's 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 got a lot of merit. I'm personally not of the, the, the crowd that believes, oh, Yohan Mankata had a breakout year because he moved to third base from second base. I'm not, I'm not buying that. Uh, you and I, you know, spend a lot of time around the game of baseball in one form or another. I, I really don't think that the you know there was some sort of mental block that prohibited Mancina from reaching his offensive potential by being two positions over in the infield. I'm not buying it. Uh, it sounds cute in spring training, you know, when we say, "Oh wow, you know, he's sliding over to third base. This is going to be the year. He's got nothing to worry about but hitting the ball." And then it happens, and that's just the way things happen sometimes. And I, and I and I also totally agree that. I'm glad we didn't get Machado, right? I could sit here and say, I'm happy that things worked out the way that they did. And at the same time, I don't have to run around saying, wow, we really dodged a bullet on that one. because
0: No, I I agree with that. I, I agree that they didn't dodge a bullet, but they got lucky in the sense that now instead of having, you know, Let's assume Moncada puts up the same numbers from second base because I agree that that position switching stuff makes no sense to me. So let's let's assume that Moncada had similar production last season at second base mm-hmm. with Machado at third. That makes last year's team better, and it makes
1: this year's team solid, probably better. Honestly, you know I think yeah
0: Moncada's numbers at second base will be more impactful than Madrigals in terms of a middle-of-the-order bet. Mm-hmm. But now you're talking about... It's hard for me to picture a world where we sign Grandall and Keichel and Gonzalez, and you're looking at maybe Keichel is the big addition of this offseason, um, and you know maybe they aren't so generous on these extensions. And I think that the way things shook out Yes, it did shake out well that Machado missed that, you know, who knows what he'll do this year. It's obviously way too early to judge that contract, but you know, whose position would you rather be in right now, the Padres or the Sox? Well, without
1: without a doubt, I'm with you 100%.
0: Yeah, but, um, you know, I I think that we just got lucky in how things shook out after, but I think that, you know, had we signed Machado last offseason, maybe that Says to the Sox front office, well, maybe we can afford to have McCann as our primary catcher again moving forward.
1: Uh huh. And I think I totally agree with that. And I think that's a whole nother thing. And, and actually, they, uh, you know, those, uh, there's, would there be a complacency there, right? If, 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 Mon- if stayed at second base and he, Put up the numbers that he put up in 2019, regardless of the position change. And Machado was with the White Sox, and he was at third base. Would would there be the urgency from the front office to go and spend money? Would Jerry bust open the checkbook to get all of the guys that we got this winter? Would we be adding to Machado plus, or would we, you know, or would like you said? Um, you know, we don't need to. Yasmani Grandal is, is an unnecessary luxury, maybe, because James McCann is, you know, su- sufficeable for the time <laughs> being, uh, and we're going to spend the money elsewhere. That's a that's that's a great, you know, other end of the argument. There's 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 a few different directions that this debate can go in, and I think a lot of them, in one way or another, have a degree of validity. And I think the only one that doesn't have a degree of validity is just a simple point that john hayman was trying to get across today which was oh you know we got they got lucky they dodged a the bullet by not getting machado i just think that's just so empty it, it's not well thought out it's it's just content for clicks uh and it's it, there's so much more to it
0: I and mean, there's there's a lot of poor takes that go around national and local media about the socks um I mean Paul Sullivan's had a, a few articles in the past oh. couple of weeks that have just been brutal. Paul oh,
1: Sullivan is oh terrible. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. You know what? And then the other thing to, that before every that Heyman tweeted was he's you know, he's like, Oh, well that's not a guarantee that Luis Roberts gonna be the starting center fielder in, in Chicago. <laughs> yes, yes he is, John. Yes, they they didn't give him fifty million dollars guaranteed over six years to play in Charlotte. Okay, he was going to be the White Sox center fielder in, in three weeks if they didn't extend him. Now they gave him $50 million to, to lock him up long term. They're definitely not leaving him in Charlotte. It Unless he gets hurt, he's the center fielder on opening day for the White Sox. I don't care if he bats 0-25 in Cactus League play. He's the starting center fielder. That is without a doubt a fact. I don't even, again, John Heyman, bud. You can get your likes and retweets elsewhere. Put a little bit of thought behind the things that you say in a public forum with that blue check mark next to your name.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure where that take came from, but, um, you know, regardless, it's so nice to be now. You know, I, I've heard rumors uh, that the socks are in on C-Sheck. Um, Will Smith was another name that I thought was pretty interesting.
1: Was it Will? Is it Smith or Harris? Because I think Will Smith already signed. It. Oh,
0: I think it was Harris. You're
1: right. I think it's yeah, Will Harris. Um, I think Will Smith was one of the first off the board uh, this this offseason. Yeah, but you are yeah, correct. that's my bad. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, it's it's it happens. I get <laughs> I get name fucked all the time, especially when we're doing things live. Um, but yeah, no, Ciechek and Harris are the two names that have continuously been floated around in terms of bullpen arms for the Sox, which now they need to shift their attention to. Before we do real quick, though, you know, he's got a lot of it, and he and he, he got it from uh, Jeff Passan, too. But big ups to James Fox. Uh, he was all over the Luis Robert extension, like, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, December 23rd, before pre, pre-Christmas he was on it, and he almost had the numbers on the head. So congratulations, James. Don't forget us when you're famous. Um, <laughs> but... Credits. Well, scoops credit,
0: scoops got to stop when uh, when Fox starts school.
1: Yes, that's true. Winter break is almost over, so no more scoops for you, soup nuts and thumb. <laughs> uh, but if we're going to highlight the stupid shit that flies around Twitter, we got to give props where they're due. So James, Kudos, um, bullpen. That's really where it's. That's that's the next big need for the White Sox is the bullpen. c and
0: and maybe another outfield bat.
1: Yeah, maybe another. Outfit. I'm kind of past that, though. I think they are too. I think I think that if they were if they were gonna go add another piece to right field uh, with Mazzara, they would have done it already. I, I I can't help but think that the way that things are unfolding, that the ship that ship has sailed for them uh, internally.
0: Yeah, I would guess you're probably right. I I think that this was probably their last. Headline grabber of the off season.
1: Yeah. I mean unless they extend somebody else internally.
0: Yeah. But, you know, assuming it is, barring an extension, hats off. I mean, great off season.
1: Absolutely. And it's January second. It's it's January second and we're sitting here um, you know, shining up polishing up the off season award for Rakan and company and (laughs) we're
0: Where were we last year? Still two months away. From oh,
1: anything happening. Praying that DJ Lemayhew signed with the Yankees so that they didn't have enough money to sign Machado, so that we can maybe get Machado. That's I think that's where we were. Do you, do you, I can tell you that you and I were at the at the facility at the baseball facility, we were in getting in the cages and. Uh, You might even have a video of it still, me running around the facility screaming about T.J. Lemayhew signing with the Yankees.
0: I I think I still got that video of you running a circle around the whole facility.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've come a long way, my friend.
0: Yeah, thank God. I mean, this is the most complete roster I can remember going into a season with.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Uh, Go ahead.
0: Even in 2016, when this team was a contender for a minute, I mean, who was our opening day shortstop in 2016, Pat?
1: Oh. oh, Jimmy Rollins.
0: Yep, opening day center fielder.
1: Austin Jackson.
0: Yep, so this is the most complete team <laughs> we put out there for a while.
1: Oh, man, you just hurt my brain thinking about that. I, <laughs> I was trying, you know, I've tried to compartmentalize certain eras of White Sox baseball with, with that being one of them.
0: Yeah, you try and forget about those things. That's why you get the pit in your stomach when people talk about this going uh, wrong.
1: Without but a doubt.
0: I, I really think that this is a, a new era, a different era.
1: <laughs> I remember going to Dick Sporting Goods and buying a Todd Frazier jersey. I, I, I was really so psyched when they signed Todd Frazier. Traded for I, Todd Frazier. They yeah, traded gave for, him up for the Reds. like nothing
0: to get him. Too. You, yes, I was, yeah. <laughs> I remember the best moment of that year was the uh, game winning Grand Slam in Texas.
1: Oh, man. Good times. Good times. <laughs> that was going to be, man, when the wheels came off of the 2016 and we've talked about this before, when, when the wheels came off of the 2016 season, that was devastating. That was the lowest point for me in, in my nearly three decades of White Sox fandom. I, I, I can't remember a time that I was more, not even hurt. You know, it's like when our parents told them, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed.
0: I mean, it was like right right when I thought, hey, this team might actually be something. Robertson blows the game in Kansas City and it all goes to wow.
1: shit. That's terrible. But let's – you know what? Enough of that. That's over. We're <laughs> done with that, all right? We are done with that. <laughs> we are we are coming – we are fast-forwarding back into real time here. Um, I'm looking at some numbers right now. Steve Ciszek, I'll take him. Doesn't really do much for me in the, and doesn't excite me all that much. He's going to be 34, last pitch for the Cubs, uh, 2019 – Appeared in 70 games, 2.95 ERA, 1.8 war, over 64 innings pitched, uh, 57 strikeouts. It was a good season for C-Sheck, but out of the two between C-Sheck and Harris, I definitely like Harris better. Um, Yeah,
0: Harris has that big fastball.
1: Yeah, Harris is a year older, but he also has less mileage. I mean, he was used less in last year, including a 1.50 ERA um and 2.1 WAR for the Astros last year. He only threw 60 innings, and he had a sub one WHIP. Uh, he's got that big heavy fastball. I definitely like Harris better than C-Shack. I'll take either of them or both of them, though.
0: Yeah, I mean anything to shore up that bullpen. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you you nailed it. Um, you know I I'm not a big fan. Not many people are of you know paying whatever you got to pay for a, you know, younger premier guy, because at the end of the day, relievers are just unpredictable. So, you know, a 35, 36-year-old on a low-risk one-year deal, and if it blows up, it blows up. But, um, you know, I I think
1: it would be totally fine. (laughs) Incredibly, relievers are incredibly volatile. Um, But we need some depth. We need to add pieces in front of the pieces we have, and I think those two guys are perfect. Right now, for what's available, but you know um, there
0: are people that want to trade Madrigal for uh, Hader. Get, it's like uh, no way.
1: No, no. I like Josh Hader a lot, and I remember, I remember spring training, um, twenty eighteen, and I was at, uh, I was at Maryville, with my dad. We were watching a Rockies and Brewers game. It was on St. Patrick's Day, and Hader came in and. 2018 was his breakout year, so this was prior to it. He pitched a little towards the end of 2017. I I, I mean, watching Hader is great. Like, that fastball is awesome. Like, everything he does is awesome. But that was uh, 18, 19, two years ago, 20. How many more fastballs does he got is the question. It's just I'm not giving up six years of control of a number four overall draft pick with an incredibly highly rated hit tool for a bullpen arm that you might get, you know, another year or two out of if if that. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think I'm right on board with you. I think
1: that I think when the Cardinals grossly overpaid for Andrew Miller a couple of years ago in the offseason, I think that was kind of like a, a pause for the rest of the league cuz there was there was a, for a while there as volatile as they are, relievers were getting paid Man, they were making, oh, yeah. you know, they were went making Davis. money, yeah. And then I think that that's kind of slowed down in the last year or two uh, as far as the market value is concerned and regressed back to what it was prior to that where, you know, relievers are thought of as commodities that you can acquire in less impactful ways.
0: Well, the, um, the, the, the Cubs missed the memo on that.
1: <laughs> the Cubs missed a memo on a few things, but <laughs> that wouldn't be one of, including starting pitching. I think we're, I mean, we're not going to get too far into it because this is a happy White Sox day uh, with the Robert extension. But uh, of all the things that the Cubs did right or wrong, it, it, they they missed on starting pitching severely. They didn't draft it well, they didn't develop it well, um, and they ended up having to overpay for it. For years, and it's it's not great. I mean, they don't really have much right now. Lester's on his last leg. Kyle Hendricks is good, uh, not elite. Jose Quintana has a year left to control, and he's good but not elite. So, <laughs>
0: they're not happy about Quintana. No,
1: I really, <laughs> I think, I think it's safe to say that the White Sox won that trade. hurt them for a while. Yeah, this is why they don't, this is why you don't trade across town. This is why it, it rarely ever happens. <laughs> At
0: least they're the ones learning that lesson and not
1: us. Yeah, absolutely. Last time, I mean, but you know what? Theo Epstein ain't going to, I, if, if I'm correct, Theo Epstein's gone in a year anyway, so he, he's not really going to give a shit.
0: Yeah, true. That so, would be, uh, that would be great. <laughs>
1: So let's talk about this real quick. Now we know for sure, barring injury, Luis Robert is in the 2020 lineup. But where in the lineup is he? Because I sit here with a pen and paper, and I try. And this is a good problem to have. I try to construct a, a lineup for this opening day roster, and it's tough. It is. It's tough to try to figure out where they're going to put these guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to have. Oh man. I mean, are we doing this with Madrigal?
1: Let's do it without Madrigal. Let's talk opening day, March 26th, um, okay. and for for what we know right now. Okay. Um,
0: let, me, let me pull this up. I would guess...
1: It's tough, right?
0: Yeah, I would say probably... I uh maybe Leori at second leading off. Mm -hmm. Um Moncada at third batting two. Um looking at maybe Three out of respect. I I don't know. Um, or where
1: do you put Tim then? Jeez, that is tough. I think so. Here's so here's what I got uh, so far. I got Robert leading off in center field. I got moncada at second and third. I got a. You buddy, got Robert leading off. I got Robert leading off, and I know people are gonna say, well, he's got a good, he's got a power profile. Uh, you know a middle of the order profile or on the or on the other side of the conversation they're gonna say do you think they're gonna thrust him into the leadoff position um, at this age why not that's where he's hit in his entire tenure in the white Sox minor league system he's hit in the leadoff spot and he does have a great power tool and leadoff home runs are really cool and tough <laughs> because <laughs> you, you you couple that with with all his other tools and and, and it to me it's it's like why not and I I'll get to it as I get through it. You really have such a long jam in the middle, you have to figure out, you have to kind of maximize things. So you put Robert up at the top in center field, and he's got the hit tool, and he's got the speed. He can steal bases. Anything in the gap is going to be extra bases for him. Anything that takes a long bounce if they're playing deep on him is going to be a double. I can This, this kid's aggressive on the base pads. Yoan Mankata, in the school of put your best hitter in the two-hole, Yoan Mankada right now is arguably the best hitter on the White Sox. He's come he's played in the he's been in the two-hole for a while. Uh Breu hits third. I got Grandal hitting behind him clean up and catching. And then I got Jimenez hitting fifth. And then I have Edwin and Carnacion behind Eloy Jimenez. And I think it'd be really important to have in the midst of all of this this cluster of power profile bats in the middle of the order to provide Eloy with something that he didn't have last year, and that was some protection. You know, it was so easy to navigate around the Moncada's and the Jimenez's and the Andersons and the White Sox lineup in 2019 because there were so many Ryan Cordell's and Adam Ingles and Leary Garcia's. I think if you if you layer the lineup, you know, you have Moncada behind Robert, so you can't pitch around Robert. Yeah, you, you know you have Grandal who gets on base at a very high clip after after Robert Rancada and Abreu, and has good power uh, tool. Then you put Jimenez in there who's who did great with no protection. You layer Edwin Encarnacion behind him. He's gonna clobber bombs. He's gonna walk a pair. Nobody's gonna want to pitch around Jimenez necessarily to get to Encarnacion. Then seven eight nine. You leave Anderson where he won a batting title. I see all the time these people saying, "Oh, he won a batting title. You can't hit him seventh. Why not? He won a batting title hitting seventh. You don't. You want a batting? We've seen him hit one and two, and it hasn't really worked out. We saw him hit six, seven. He wins a batting title. Then you round it out with Nomar Mazzara and Leary Garcia at eight and nine. That's just the way I see it right now in terms of and like it. You know, I talked about my strategy a little bit. Was kind of layering. The, the the established bats around the younger bats yeah i think that lineup makes a lot of sense um
0: my you know my hesitation you made a good case for Bat and robert leadoff um my hesitation is i am expecting a an adjustment period for robert um and that's not really an original idea a lot of people have said that there will be one um you know it I, it wouldn't surprise me if he struggled a little bit early on he's needed an adjustment period at every level we've been at so far um so you know i'm keeping that in mind moving forward and not going to get discouraged if it happens but um that's you know i'm just not sure opening day they're going to put him lead off but i think that if they're going to make their lineup you know what it's going to be moving forward then yeah have
1: yeah, I mean, I agree. I totally see an adjustment period. I don't know how how drastic of an adjustment period it's going to be because even even at every stop, um, the adjustment period hasn't necessarily been horrific uh, or you know overly bad. And I just think if you put him at the top of the lineup where you're going to put him anyway, it, okay, it, he's going to have an adjustment period. At the 1 spot, he's going to have an adjustment period at the 9 spot or the 5 spot if if he's going to have an adjustment period, right? So if you keep him where he's going to be when he does get comfortable for the foreseeable future, and I believe that's the leadoff spot, and you just allow his tools to... Let them sell. You know, do the work. You know, he, he's he he's gonna struggle if he struggles a little bit. Uh, if he's swinging missing too much, right? If if there's a little too much swing and miss in the beginning, he's a little overwhelmed by the additional uh, off-speed pitches that he's gonna see at the major league level that he didn't necessarily see at the minor league level. Well, then he can still, you know, he could still get on base. He could still steal bases. He could still do stuff at the top of the order. Uh, in, until he kind of rounds everything out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's just just my just my two cents. I, I think if he's if he's gonna have an adjustment period, it's gonna happen anywhere in the lineup. You know. Yeah, so
0: I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm all for it. I'm just excited. <laughs> Me too. it stays dry. That's all.
1: Yeah. I know. I'm so. That's another thing. I didn't. I'm like, opening day is gonna be amazing. How how packed do you think that stadium's gonna be?
0: Totally full. Completely
1: full. I I think that stadium is going to – they always draw draw well on opening day despite the weather, some better than others. But given everything that's going on, I think that place is going to be jammed, and I think you better get there early if you want to tailgate, and I think it's going to be a party all day. I think it's going to be a blast. And I got to tell you, unless they call the game, I don't think any sort of cold wind or rain or anything is going to stop anybody's party. There's just going to be too much excitement.
0: People are excited. People are going to be there no matter what, and it's well earned. They deserve it.
1: Yeah. Most definitely. Um, I think I had one more thought uh, before we started talking about lineup construction. Oh, Ricky. Now that we've got the players in place, does Rick Renteria still being the manager scare you a little? I kind of feel like I didn't give a shit if he was still the manager or not heading into 2020 at the end of 2019 because there was so much roster construction work to be done that I, I thought that was like, really low on the priority list. But now that, you know, the roster has been addressed in the fashion that it has, are you worried that Renteria is, not the right guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Renteria as long as he keeps the locker room together that's what happened in 2016 is Ventura lost control of that locker room um you know I, I don't I don't think that his on-field decision making is going to cost us that many games um so no the thought hadn't really crossed my mind uh like I said I, I I think that he'll be a good guy to keep the locker room together keep everybody humble and on the same page and that's what we need out of him um I I don't see a way where if this roster is what we think it could and should be, that he's able to mess that up.
1: I don't necessarily see any glaring red flags right now outside of like you said. The most important thing is just keeping the locker room humble and together and working together towards the same thing. But I I I feel like there are things about Ricky that can go wrong like things that we haven't really paid much attention to through the thinner years here with him managing a thinner roster or things that we've even made excuses for right like there's been a bunch of times where um you know thing he's made decisions that have been questionable and we've said we've chalked up to well you know he doesn't have anything to work with or he's just working with what is given to him we're gonna see you know, the real test is going to come when the talent comes. When there's talent there and there's no more built-in excuse for things that didn't turn out right regarding on-field management and tactical decisions from the dugout, uh, now, well, guess what? If if it really was Ricky being a bad tactical manager, we're about to find out real soon.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think if that's the case, don't be afraid to make a change this team gets off to a start through 30-40 games where they're really scuffling you know different conversation but I'm, I'm willing to take a wait and see approach on that
1: yeah I am too but you just hit my, my biggest fear on the head and that is a Jerry Reinsdorf thing and that's an unwillingness to, ch- to make a change you know w- will we be sitting here in June or July saying this guy has got to go but it ain't going to happen Jerry's not going to do it. It's just not how he operates. And we're going to piss a season away because of the way Jerry operates? Like, we're watching with the Bulls? I don't know. Right now, it's just devil's advocate, right? It's just talking out loud. You know what I mean? It's just speaking out loud and and, and being aware that these these possibilities might be on the horizon. You know, glass half full as it may be, there are still some things that need to get answered. Um, And that's one of them.
0: I I agree, uh, but like I said, I'm I'm just willing to maintain wait and see right now.
1: Yeah, well, Dave, you got anything else? Any um, any closing thoughts?
0: Derrick Rose is going to be an All Star this year.
1: Derrick Rose is going to be an All Star. I love that, my man. <laughs> I, I I wanted Derrick Rose to come back and come back to Chicago in the off season. I I feel like, uh, I wanted those those wounds to be. Field, he but, deserves uh, it
0: he'll be back someday
1: i don't know i don't have any faith in that front office that's a whole conversation for another day but man, <laughs> man, you know Derek rose for his for for some of the and he's he's not an angel by any stretch of the imagination but for for all the dumb shit he said and all the dumb shit he's done off the court uh that's that's added to any turmoil that he's faced in the last <laughs> five you know plus years. The the Bulls front office is just as guilty, if not more guilty. Oh yeah. So 100%. I I feel like they owe it to him to uh, just make amends and bring him back into that circle somehow. And I, I don't know how right now. I don't know how he fits into the Bulls plans, or if he has, or if he even has any interest in, in coming back. Or if they even have a plan. Or if they even have a plan. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, I just I think that's long overdue. So.
0: That's all I
1: got. Yeah, I think that's about it for right now. Again, the White Sox steal the headlines and, and I am okay with that.
0: Yeah, it's not our fault. Nothing we can do about
1: it. It is not our fault. Not at all. Um What was I gonna say? Oh, the uh The Bears hired an off I know I had one more thing. I'm trying to be fair to everybody, right? The Bears the, the Bears hired an offensive line coach. I don't know anything about him.
0: Yeah, I I understand that he was in charge of the run game in Buffalo, um, and things went well for him while he was doing that. So,
1: If that means more people jumping off of RVs through tables at the Adler Planetarium parking lots this fall, I'm on board.
0: Yeah, or if it just means a better offensive line. You know, they're, they're still going to have to fix the quarterback, but if they can improve there, it's a nice start. But, um, but it, you know we've we've done the whole well they just need this it's not the quarterback well this time it is the quarterback so
1: well we're gonna need know. some offensive linemen too to make that happen because you can put a bow on shit but you know the, you still shit and that offensive <laughs> line is, is bad. not good. It was horrible last year. Not good. That's it though, folks. We're done. We got nothing else. We gave the love we necessary to the <laughs> other teams for today. Um, We'll catch you sometime early next week and then for sure again next Thursday evening. In the meantime, do us a favor. Subscribe, like, share, um, give us a rating on iTunes and all the other places you can catch us. Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, et cetera. Uh, Help us out. Help help bring some more ears to these uh, airwaves. And we'll talk to you soon. Dave.
0: Talk to you later, guys. If you
1: don't know I'm by now, I'm talking again. about
0: Chi-Town. In the air. Love Field. He's your hero tonight. I'm coming home. I think that'll be a fade-to-black moment with Allen Robinson taking it out of
1: the air. Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. The
0: Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup.
1: Maybe we could start again.